if it affects a few thousand people, it doesn't matter. The lives of millions is more important than lives of thousands. It doesn't happen that way. If God forbid, if your brother or sister is among those thousands, for you that's the most important thing. You don't care how many people are affected. For you that's a whole matter, a whole life. Your whole world revolves around that relationship. And therefore, neglecting the niche-based problems is an invitation to disaster. So welcome to Outliers. Uh, this is a podcast with outliers. <laughs> and, for, and you know, uh, for all the good reasons. And I've been really privileged to meet uh, some awesome uh, outliers over the 35 episodes uh, of this podcast. And today, uh, today's outlier is uh, an outlier uh, from every angle, if you ask me. I have, I first heard of Professor Anil Gupta I think uh, it was over 10 years ago, clearly, 10, 30, 12 years at least. And I was always fascinated by uh, what Professor Gupta used to say because it was never academic. And then I figured out you were most of the times on the road. That was a very refreshing break because a lot of times people who are in writing, we think of academia as uh, something else, you know. <laughs> so uh, welcome to Outliers, uh, Professor. Thank you, Pankaj. Actually, outlier is the right description of the oddballs <laughs> whom we have escorted all these years. So many times people have asked me, how do you summarize what is Honeybee Network? And I said, it's a network of oddballs. Crazy people. People who don't adapt and adjust to the problem, but try to transcend it by solving it by finding a way to get over it. Now the difference between those who get over a problem and find a durable solution and those who get around it is that those who get around use a jugaad. They never find a durable solution. It is not that they try to solve the problem. They are trying to find a way around the problem. And that confusion must not ever be allowed to creep in the discussion on graph information. A lot of people misunderstand yeah. that a makeshift solution, a temporary solution, mm -hmm. a, just a way of getting around the problem is what Honeybee Network is about, not the least. Because the people whom we have met today, we had in our class at IMA, uh, who has spent the last 15 years in developing a design for a cotton picking machine, particularly for a variety 797, which is a rain-fed variety where walls don't open. The jeans that you wear, the denim that you use, actually is made of the medium staple cotton blended with other cotton. And this cotton comes from this variety, rain-fed variety, 797, Kalyan, and Shankar. So there you have to pick up the ball. You don't have to pick up the cotton, unlike hybrid cotton. This man has been struggling to develop a machine for the last 15 years. And uh, he, he's now nearly there to find a solution. If he had to find a temporary solution, that would have been easy. But that wouldn't have solved it. It would, be, it would have helped for some time, then it would have, problem would have continued. So the mindset which motivates you to get around the problem 
by a jugad will never take you very far. That's a very important point you're making because even the larger entrepreneurship as we know in India, which is not the kind of entrepreneurs you are talking about, but I believe there are great lessons to pick from these entrepreneurs is mostly focused around, uh, okay, so if I'm building this company, how do I get out of this in three to five years? Uh, investors and, and, you know, a lot of fancy things. If you were to pick two, three lessons to be learned from these kind of entrepreneurs that you're talking about who long, painful, slow burn, why do you think these people are what they are? One of the things that characterizes most of grassroots innovation is that they use second-hand parts. <coughs> For a long time, <coughs> we thought that second-hand part means <coughs> they can do with less. But the concept of circular economy has become point now is telling us that credit to grave is a passe. We must find multiple life cycles for every component. That's what Gaspar innovators have been doing for the last hundreds of years. They have been trying to find energy which is still available in the component. So let's say axle of a car has a life of 40 years. Steering wheel has a life of 100 years. Differential may have a life of 25 years. The chassis itself may not last too long, but everything else lasts, or many things last. What do we do in the West? We condemn the whole car, make it junk, piece of metal, and that's it. But that's a very wasteful way of using energy. Untapped energy is still available in the component of this car. So what Gatsuk innovators do, 1992, um, Mansur Bajagani found a need for a multi-purpose plowing machine because poor people couldn't afford a tractor, couldn't keep bullocks because of shortage of water. So he converted a motorcycle into a plowing machine. And eventually, slowly and slowly, he used the axle of a car with a differential and engine of little higher horsepower, initially five, then 12, Reduce the RPM by using a bigger gear so the torque can be increased, speed can be reduced. A lot of science, a lot of engineering in it. But a lot of parts of this were second hand. Eventually, of course, they went into fabricating new parts, new solutions, depending upon the aspirations of the buyer. So, this recycling movement, rejuvenating movement, repurposing movement, repurpose a product so that you don't get into waste economy. The slogans of the day were understood by the grassroots innovators years ago, decades ago. That's the first lesson that we shouldn't think of an economy where the, for example, in a mobile phone, there are a large number of components which can last for 50 years maybe. Mobile phone life is maybe five years or less. And we junk it. But if we salvage all those components and you repurpose them for various kind of electronic products, one student, Nanang in Arunachal Pradesh, took out the motors in the cell phone which produce vibration. So when phone is put on vibration, there are small motors inside. He took it out, made goggles, various electronic parts salvaged from computer and mobile phone for blind. 
which will give you vibration on the left, on the right, on the center, depending upon where the obstruction is, using these motors. Wow. In Arunachal Pradesh. If you go to UNICEF Innovate site in New York, on the web, you will find his photograph there, because we introduced him to the UNICEF team for trying to show how young people in India are trying to create new solutions by using these kind of parts. So that's one lesson. Second lesson, which is no less important, that when you try to make a trade-off between affordability and accuracy, you don't want to lose efficiency. So let's say, if you had 0.5 mm accuracy in a line that you are drawing in the field, you really don't gain much compared to, let's say, one centimeter efficiency, one centimeter accuracy. In other words, there's a margin of 10 millimeter which can be withstood, which can withstand without loss of productivity. No, seed can fall between two to four inches, let us say. So within that depth, there's no loss of productivity. Beyond that, there is. So many times we over-design products and pay a huge amount for that accuracy which actually for day-to-day -day life may not be so warranted. So making these small trade-offs, but without loss of efficiency, without loss of productivity, can make the products very affordable. That's the second very important lesson. How much of accuracy? Five decimals, ten decimals, three decimals, two decimals, or one decimal. Third point. Which is that a lot of grassroots innovators believe, believe in multifunctionality. Hmm. So they seldom design one product for one purpose. Now, what happens is that a typical mixer and grinder, which has a set of five or six devices for chutney, for juice, soup or whatever have you. One base, multiple attachments. We can't afford to have a separate drive for each attachment. But in the Europe you would find coffee grinder having a separate separate device. You don't find a grinder having coffee grinder also, having vegetable grinder also, having juicer also. The mindset doesn't work that way. Everything is a separate attachment, a separate device. So five motors are being used to serve five needs, whereas here one motor serves five needs. With reasonable efficiency, not, not a problem. You can change the speed and it works well. So multifunctionality is an important need of a society which wouldn't like to either waste energy, materials, or try to have too many solutions because they can't afford them. Fourth, very important point, when we look at grassroots innovations, particularly biological innovations, crop varieties, the one which I've refused the most, if you ask me which has gone to million hectares, then yeah. varieties developed by farmers, berry variety, pigeon pea variety, uh, some of the fruit varieties. In fact, uh, Nijlani variety developed by 
farmers in Kerala. The Spices Board is on record to have said that 45% of export of cardamom from India is explained by one variety developed by a farmer, Nishlaki. So, it is not that these are solutions which are only serving small needs, though majority of them are, but there are a few which have gone very far. Though I always argue that scale should not be allowed to become enemy of sustainability. It's a very important point you're making. How do you scale and when do you scale? Are there things that you should not scale? Exactly. And this is a point that country is missing out many times. The matrices that we use to measure success, measure the usefulness of a new idea, can sometimes lead to a lot of rejection of worthwhile ideas because of the wrong metric by which we are measuring the success. So look at this way that Himaji, a district in Assam where we had our show Yatra, you know, we walk yeah. every earlier we used to walk twice or thrice a year, now we walk six times. I've been wanting from this year. From this year we have increased our walks. So in October I'm going to Jammu Kashmir, Durej Valley. The 39th walk was in Odisha, Baripani. So in Dimaji, water is having high iron content. The filter that they have designed clean the water, but when you fill the water in a bottle and you walk for 100 yards, 100 meter, it becomes brown because after agitation of the water in the bottle, it oxidizes and becomes brown. That means it is not able to completely remove iron. Now let's say you design a filter which helps in removing this iron. How many filters of that kind you will sell? Maybe 20,000, maybe 30,000. No company will manufacture for such a small scale. That means people of Dimaji must be disenfranchised from the entitlement of a good quality filter because that problem yet does not affect a million people. Or economies of scale. Right? So, either a disease must affect few million people or if it affects few thousand people, it doesn't matter. The lives of million is more important than lives of Your brother or sister is among those thousand. For you, that's the most important thing. You don't care how many people are affected. For you, that's a whole matter, a whole life. Your whole world revolves around that relationship. And therefore, neglecting the niche-based problems is an invitation to disaster. Large number of insurgency movements in our country. Incidentally, Ulfa was born in So if you neglect their needs for too long, then they might get alienated. Alienation may lead to anger. Anger sometimes may lead to aggression. We don't want that. We want peace and development. We want law and order. We want peaceful coexistence. We want everybody to grow. Inclusive development. And inclusive development over space, over sector, over season, over scale, over social segment, over structure, all the six S's that, S's that I mentioned, will require us to systematically see the need for serving needs of a specific niche. So niche-specific needs cannot be ignored. And a society that allows solutions to emerge for smaller scale as well as larger scale will allow a long tail to operate. So long tail means few innovation will diffuse very widely. But many will on the tail will diffuse less, less and less. And the ecosystem must have all of it. 
So imagine a garden where you go, there's only one kind of flower. Or only one species of tree. You won't stay there for too long. So even from diversity perspective, we need to think of an ecosystem which has diverse solutions for diverse needs. The world is moving towards kind of mass customization. We don't want to all of us have a sunrise product. And my favorite example is when it comes to women dresses, thankful in India, no two women would like to be seen in the same dress. True? So ready-made garment industry could not make a headway when it comes to women and their dresses. <laughs> Correct? So they are ready-made garments, but they are very, they are made in, in a small scale. So every, any shop you go with your wife, sister or niece for buying things, they will have few designs. So what happens? Look at the another innovation, business model innovation. So you go to a lane of women dresses shops, say 20 shops in India. You go to one shop and your sister or wife says that, look, this is a very nice design, but I wish the arms were like this, the collar was like that. And the fellow goes to another shop nearby and brings something and says, is that close to what you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, this is very good. What has he done? You are in a shop. The neighboring shop is a competitor. And the next shop is also a competitor. But when you enter the shop, you are the client of not that shop, but the whole lane. Inventory of every shop has been pulled. This individual shopkeeper is able to bring the dress from any of the other shop because he has a track of who has what diversity. Together they are serving you. You are better off because you get what you look for. Each shopkeeper is maintaining small inventory, but of diverse nature. They are not all keeping the same thing. So diversity of inventory of each shop collectively gives a huge range to the customer who enters any shop. Till the customer enters the shop, they are competing. Once he enters, they are collaborating. And we see these models at work. Correct. Right? Yeah, yeah. In many markets, they are emerging. Yes. Competition and collaboration going hand in hand. Grassroots yeah. yeah. innovators have always known that. They have done it for ages. So, so Professor Saab, other thing I want to learn from you is like, you would have come across thousands of hundreds of ideas, right? The, uh, the, the ones that work, the ones that, that don't work. If you were to, again, handpick uh, insights from failures as well as the ones that work, what would be some of the things, what are make or break elements in, in things that work and that don't work? Uh, let's look at this way, that if we take the case of this motorcycle-based flying machine, when and field motorcycles were not available, old motorcycles were not available, the model changed, <laughs> new models were costly, so they were fewer. They moved to chassis. A lot of derivative innovations took place. So there are about 200, 300 fabricators in Gujarat, in Saurashtra, who made these devices of various kinds, Handio, Senedo, and all that. More than 10,000 of them in few districts of Saurashtra, without which BT cotton revolution would not have taken place. Incidentally, Gujarat is a state where practically no suicide deaths took place, despite BT cotton, which is a different story. Some of the time we talk about it. But enough to say that there are many innovations which succeeded because they were amenable to derivative innovations by a large number of other so-called imitators and innovators. <laughs> so we have developed a concept of technology commons, where people-to-people -people copying is allowed and integrity. People to firm to licensing. 
So even in the IP model, we have advertised it. We don't have to follow the Russian model. That doesn't work for us. Why would we like one artisan or mechanic and a farmer not to share with each other? That's the source of our success all these thousands of years. So we want society to share. We want society to cooperate. We want society to collaborate. That's the kind of society we want to live in. So people to people copy with a lot. People to firm, people to industry through licensing. So a large number of similar solutions, let's say, uh, in agriculture, a lot of machines are there. In varieties, a lot of farming varieties are there. One of my favorite solution is, very simple one. A lot of women still use pulleys to draw the water from the well. Now for 2,000 years, if sometimes the rope slipped from the hand, particularly women who lift the water, the bucket would fall into the well. So we had a bunch of hooks to take the bucket out from the well. But for 2,000 years, we didn't have a mechanism by which the bucket would not fall into the well. So our society had accepted that buckets would fall, and we would have a bunch of hooks tied to a rope, we would put it in the well, and we'd take the bucket out. Amrath Bhai Agrawat from Pekhar in Junagarh, he posed this problem to several innovators. He came out with a beautiful solution. A small lever on the top of the pulley, you pull the rope as long as you wish. Once you are tired, you want to gasp for the breath, leave the rope, rope will stay there. <laughs> My liver will press it. 50 rupees solution is an amazing solution. Go to Rajasthan. You know you have seen the hand pumps. A lot of big places even today have hand pumps. Hand pumps have about two inch output. If you want to drink water, with the hand below the output, below the tap, a lot of water overflows. In deserts, semi-arid regions, you don't have water to overflow. Precious. Precious water. So two of our innovators put a retrofit solution of about 150 rupees. So now hand pump has two taps. A small tap with half an inch output for drinking water. <laughs> and the normal one for filling the bucket. And then, if still there's an overflow, there's a small ditch, a, pop, a small ditch for storing water where animals come and take it. So you have a solution which includes animals also part of the solution. No water is wasted. Thousands of such hand pumps have been installed. These are solutions which are solving problems of real India real problem with real India at very low cost. There are examples of very interesting solution for drinking water, another water problem. So one little girl, Chaya Thakur, class seven, was tiny girl. So in a school you have taps of water and they are at a height of about let's say two feet or two and a half feet. She was dwarf, relatively speaking. She couldn't reach that far. So she said, why can't we solve this problem? Now look at this way. We have stayed in schools in Ashwagandha. All of us have seen those tabs, horizontal tabs. She said, why don't you tilt the pipe? What if I degree? So small kids can drink water from the tab below, the next tab, the next tab, the next tab. 
A simple solution that defied this country was simply, yes, our children have been struggling, but all the gaps were at a common height, which where young children of the class two, three, four couldn't reach. So there are solutions that sometimes we wonder why there was so much inertia in our society. Why? Nobody could think about those solutions. Look at this very attractive solution. Nowadays, traffic jams are in yeah. rule. Yeah. So you have three traffic lights. Red, orange, green. Now this kid has come out with a fascinating idea. You should have a blue light also. If blue light is on, you take a left turn or a right turn, you will not go straight because there is a traffic jam ahead. Isn't it nice? Because you are going to add to the problem by going ahead. Then you can't go back. You are stuck. Sometimes in Bangalore, for example, yes. in electricity, for one kilometer you can spend an hour. Yes. Right? Yes. But if people knew before, and before cross-section on agriculture, that look, there is a traffic jam ahead, they won't enter that lane then. They will turn back, they will go some other route. Imagine if this successful, this idea gets implemented. This will be one universal solution for the whole world. Because traffic jams are not typical of India. Everywhere in the world they are happening. <laughs> so we, we, our kids are generating universal solutions. There's a girl in Patna, Shalini, she was in class 8. She saw a walker being used by her grandfather, which did not have the capability to be adjusted on a step. She wrote back just two lines to us. Honeybee Network and, and I said, can you make the front legs adjustable? Our team in I we have a fab lab, National Innovation Foundation. They designed the new kind of walker where you can, when you climb up, the front leg becomes shorter. When you climb down, the front leg becomes taller. Oh, nice. Such a walker does not exist anywhere in the world, neither in Europe nor in the US. If it was not so, then UNICEF would not invite it for a conference on assistive technologies in Copenhagen, where they have a global sourcing station, but this could be useful in refugee camps and various other places. So our children, our young people, our farmers, our artists, are also generating solutions for the whole world, not just for India. And that's very important. We call it G2G model. We are B2C, B2B. <laughs> but this is G2G, grassroots to global. <laughs> what uh, what inspires you? Like you yourself have been such a long warrior uh, on this path, right? And and uh, you have this undying passion for uh, curating, handpicking, encouraging these grassroots innovators. Why? What's you know, the I'm place? I'm teaching a course on Sunday called as Our Chale Avishkar Kare. Let us go. Let us invent. Let us innovate. Sure. In Hindi for school children, sure. government school children. So I took this class. You see in my hand a glass of water. So I showed the children, young kids from government school, not from Bosch school. I said, what's the problem with the design? So if it slips from hand, it fall on the ground. Children could immediately notice that. They said, what should I do? They went to the board and made small. They said, either you make the surface rough, or you make the grooves here so the fingers can hold the glass tighter. Manufacturer has thought about it. But idea is very sweet. <laughs> In other words, kids are far less patient with the problem unsolved. My generation. 
and I'll get your back. Knew about the problems. Did not do much. Explained them, rationalized them, told how awful the world is, why these corporations are irresponsible, why the government is not paying attention. We could blame everybody. But we did not get down on a table with a piece of paper and drawing board and saying, okay, let's try to solve it. So yesterday I gave a problem to some students who had come to meet me and I said, look, the tea that you take is picked by women by hand from the bushes. In an anti-gravity action, they put the tree leaves in the basket behind. Anybody who has seen the tea gardens, either in the film or otherwise, knows this action. So I said, when you take a cup of tea, do you realize how many times they do that? So I asked them to do it 10 times. So they realized there's a pain in the shoulder here. I said, she does it 2,000 times, 3,000 times every day. Wouldn't she be feeling pain? They said, yes. I said, do you realize that pain when you take a cup of tea? You enjoy your tea. How come that a tea leaf plucked in a painful action by thousands of women doesn't induce the thought in the mind of user thinker of the tree that there is a very painful, high drudgery, high painful activity involved in picking leaves. So I said, solve this problem. And lots of ideas came out by which you can make the task of transporting leaves from front bowl to the back mechanically. Oh, nice. It's a pipe, it goes up, and leaves go back. And many such actions. Which is not that our society is incapable of solving problems. We can put 100 satellites in a single launch. We can make the world's most frugal mission to Mars and Moon. We are capable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have great capability. Yeah, yeah. We have done which nobody else could do. Yeah. Our cameras designed in Space Application Center in Ahmedabad were the first one to locate water on Mars. High resolution. We have the most highest resolution satellites in public domain. Forget about intelligence. So we are capable people. We can solve a lot of problems. Then how come that tea leaves are still plugged in a very painful manner? Paddy is transplanted in the backbending posture of the women, feet under the water, day after day, week after week. Now, what am I trying to imply? I'm trying to imply a very self-critical inference, which is that when it comes to women, Grassroots innovators are not less biased than others. So the problems of women are, remain unsolved. The judgy level of the activities in which women are involved is much higher, other thing be equal, than the activity that men do. There were historical reasons. We didn't allow women to become carpenter and blacksmith, all that. But there are also reasons that somehow the man in us dominates when it comes to problems because we think, all right, we can adjust. Now, women are very creative in coping and adapting and adjusting. Mm -hmm. In domain in which they have control, they're very innovative. Child care, food, nutrition, textile, and all of that. But when we did not give them the tools, they couldn't design those solutions. So I would say that the passion comes both from the problems that have been solved, but also problems that have remained to be solved. <laughs> I mean, I feel concerned that there are a large number of problems which are not on the radar of our R&D system or our scientific system. 
There are a lot of problems with which our people struggle. I mean, you go to a cobbler to get a shoe mended. He has an iron triangle there. You put the shoe there. But this was designed when shoes had nails. Now shoes don't have nails. You need a clamp or a stitching machine. But he's using a hammer. If you put adhesive and put a hammer, air will go in. Joint will become weak. As a customer, I'm not being served well then. But who will design the tools for the cobbler? Mongolia has done it, China has done it. India has not done it. So we need to recalibrate our priorities. Tasks which involve millions of people need to be prioritized so the tragedy can be reduced. And this can be done. We are capable. I will repeatedly say that it is something that we are capable of. But we don't pay attention. We don't pay attention, we don't prioritize, we don't uh, lose our sleep if these problems don't get solved. I mean, you go to your home when you boil a pot of milk on a gas, what do you do? You take a piece of cloth, you pick the dress and put it. You couldn't design proper tongs. <laughs> Let us accept it. In your house and my house, yeah. I have a piece of cloth. Because the handles are not there anymore. Handles are not there because you have to keep one extension to another. Space is a constraint. Manufacturers don't attach handles anymore in the containers. You don't have tongs. The only thing you can do is a piece of cloth. Cloth can catch fire. Accidents can take place. If I use my dhoti, it will be even more hazardous. And accidents take place. We will live with accidents, but we will not design the proper tongue. No, oh, I mean... Godspeed with uh, <laughs> your uh, undying passion to uh, solve the unsolved problems. I'm absolutely sure that this can be solved. We will get to solve it. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's amazing to listen to your insights and uh, all the best. Well, I will only re recommend that those who want to know more about this Honeybee Network should read this book which has come out. Yes. Grassroots Innovation. A mind on the margin is not a marginal mind. <laughs> Amazon. Find it, Flipkart can find it. Yes. It's a book published at Penguin and House. Surely you will. And it will describe to you a lot many more examples of problems that people have solved that remain unsolved. Sure. So wonderful, Pankaj, talking yeah. to you. Yeah. And I hope that people who listen to this podcast will write back. Yeah. And maybe there will be some who will say, okay, I'm going to join you for the Africa <laughs> movement. And maybe some problem will get solved because this conversation. Yes. Has taken place. Inshallah it will. And I'm sorry to our listeners for, you know, this is a festive time in Gujarat, the Ahmedabad that here I'm sitting in. So uh, maybe the music around me added just a little bit of <laughs> <laughs> spice. Yes, the lightheartedness that despite all the constraints, we know how to smile, yes. how to laugh, and how to enjoy. But don't forget that while we're enjoying ourselves, we also have a responsibility to solve these problems which have remained unsolved. Yes. And it is possible. As I repeatedly said, it is possible. What it needs is some Vedana. Yes. The some means equal. Vedana means pain. Yes. When I internalize somebody else's pain as intensely as that person feels it, yes. it doesn't remain that person's pain, it becomes my pain. Very well said, Professor. Thank you so much and Thank good night. You. Thank you. Good night.